0: over. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Treloar, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. I'm so excited because Today, we have a really bright light joining us for a conversation. I want to introduce you to Kat Harris. She is a Brooklyn-based online educator, digital content creator, female empowerment advocate, she loves God, which I'm going to dig into. I want to have a conversation yeah. about God on this podcast, even though I'm not super religious, but I want to go there because we haven't yet. She loves Beyonce. Who doesn't? You should probably turn the podcast off right now. If Seriously, you don't. No get out of here. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> kidding, Everyone kidding. can have their own. Yeah, kidding, but not kidding. And has an affinity for ranch dressing. Okay. Ranch yes. dressing. Like you choose it over hummus every time. Well, I mix it in with my hummus. Here's oh the thing <laughs> is
1: I I love like kale juice, celery juice in the morning, I love salads, I love healthy things. And I was not being my full self for a long time because I felt like, oh, ranch dressing is like Not healthy and not cool. And only people in Texas like it, which is where I'm from. (laughs) And so I would like pretend to like the salad I was eating that had like olive oil on it. And finally, a few years ago, I was like, you know what, here's the deal. I just really like ranch dressing and I'm just going to own that. And so, yes, I prefer ranch dressing over hummus.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. She's come back out of the closet. She loves ranch dressing, everyone. This is legit. This is, this is the kind of self-love that I'm talking about. you got to know what you like, and then you just own it, even if it's ranch dressing. <laughs> yes. My friend just bought me a ranch dressing cookbook, and
1: I feel so known. What is a ranch dressing cookbook? So it's first of all, the history of ranch dressing, which is fascinating. And second, it's like all these different rest. Reci- There's a ton of different this is a quickly becoming a ranch dressing <laughs> promotion. <laughs> it's, it's all the different ways you can make ranch all the different recipes you can use it in. And yeah, well, it's pretty amazing. you know,
0: at least I know who I'm going to reach out to for sponsorship for this episode. This yes, point.
1: absolutely. Rob Beauty <laughs> Talk in Ranch Dressing.
0: Oh, oh, my gosh. Well, as you can already tell, Kat is hilarious. She has a way with words. She's a born storyteller. She's a photographer. She believes that it is better done than it is done perfect cheers mm-hmm. to that right there mm-hmm. and that the journey truly is the destination and she has been on a really cool journey which we're going to talk about you can check out her podcast you've got to go listen to it her online courses will obviously link to all of that in the show notes but Kat Can you just start us off by taking us behind your highlight reel? You've got all these beautiful pictures of you. You've got this stunning smile and these beautiful quotes on your page. Take us behind the highlight reel and tell us a little bit about what it was that inspired you to start doing this work that you're doing and to build this platform that you've created, the Refined Collective.
1: Such a good question. It's a freaking loaded question. (laughs) But... I think there's certain things in all of us that if we look back on our lives, we have these through lines and no matter what we're doing, whether we're a kid or, you know, in the boardroom at the gym, there's just these things that light us up. And I got to a place in my life around the time when I started the refined woman almost eight years ago now, where I realized no matter what I've been doing in my life, my heart has always been for women. When I was in high school, I was the captain of the tennis team and my heart was to encourage the women. I again was captain of my tennis team in college and my heart was like, yes, I want to win, but let's let's talk about our hearts. Let's be authentic. Let's be real. I was always always leading small groups and mentoring when I was in college, high school girls, when I was out of college, girls in college. And then I got into the photography industry. Well, I skipped that. I was in the nonprofit world before that and traveled all over the United States doing advocacy. And then I got into the photography world. And even though I would be on these like big, fancy editorial sets or shooting... New York Fashion Week or backstage or a celebrity wedding, my heart was always the same. Like I really cared about the women on set. I wanted the models to know that I valued them, that I wanted to know their name, that I wanted to know their story. When I was working with the brands as a whole, I wanted to make sure that it didn't feel just like a transaction, but a relationship. And so I kind of found these like through lines, no matter what I did, I just wanted every woman that I interacted with to know that she mattered, that her story mattered, that her voice mattered. And ultimately, I think it's because that's the truth I needed to hear most. Like I needed to know that I mattered. I needed to know that I had a seat at the table, that I am worthy. And so I think we the message that we scream from the mountaintops is the message that we First and foremost, need ourselves. And so I found myself leaving Fashion Week after I think it was about 12 seasons of shooting New York Fashion Week. And I had that inner nudge. I would say it was like a God moment. And it was like, what is your legacy, Kat? Why are you doing this? Is there something more here than just, you know, taking pictures of people in pretty clothes, which I really loved doing at the time. And I felt like something that was missing in the industry was a space for women to know that they really mattered regardless of what they looked like, what size they were, and how many followers they did or didn't have. And so I think our hearts are the similar in our brands and we just, it manifested in different ways. And when I started The Refined Woman, it was a style blog eight years ago, which if you want to really laugh, go look at me doing style posts because... (laughs) I am not the biggest fashionable person, (laughs) but really (laughs) it was like I would have to get like all of my outfit posts approved by my then business partner because she'd be like, you cannot put that outfit on the internet. It is so ugly. (laughs) And I was like, but I'm so broke and I can't afford new clothes. (laughs) But the reason why I started it is because I wanted to use my voice, my story to invite other women into sharing their story. Because I realized I'm, I've am i always been the type of person that like, I can't hide how I'm feeling. I can't bullshit. I can't pretend. And so I just lead with like, well, I feel crappy about this or I'm feeling insecure about my body right now. Or wow, like I feel really heartbroken from that guy that I just dated, even though it was just two dates. And I realized mm. once I started getting this platform, the more I just started sharing my story and my truth it's like women would just come out of the woodworks and be like, Oh my gosh, I struggle with the same thing. Or I didn't know I was even allowed to say that. So it's the refined woman has definitely transformed over the last eight years. But I would say it started, you know, it started out of this place of like, I think we're always moving towards something. And we're always creating a story. We're always inviting other people into our stories, whether it's oh i'm ugly i'm in a, i'm not in a relationship because i'm not the ex the perfect size or i'll never get the job i want like we're constantly inviting people into our narratives and i just felt like i want to cre- i want to live a narrative that's compelling and then invite others into a holistic narrative that says like i am worthy i am enough so I think once I was got really, really clear that that's always been my story, that's always been my heart is for women to know that it gave me so much freedom with the refined woman to be like, this is just a vehicle and it's going to look, it's a vehicle for my message and it might look a hundred different ways. And it, mm. it has over the years, it went from being a style blog to interview, like where I would interview women on the blog to now a podcast, to now online curriculum to now writing a book but having the framework of like the message stays the same, but the vehicles just might look different.
0: Ooh, I think this is such an important message because I think that there are a lot of women who have a little spark of an idea or maybe that they're interested or they have a talent in, in some area, but they're not 100% sure what the greater vision is or where it's going to mm. lead or what that's going to look like long-term. And so often in business and when you're working with coaches, they really want to dig out of you. Like what's your future vision? Where are you, what are mm-hmm. you shooting for? What's the end yeah. game? Oftentimes, cause I'm listening to you thinking this is the exact same for raw beauty talks. Oftentimes you can't know where you're going to end up. And if you yeah. plan too far ahead in, in advance, you're going to miss out on opportunities and Potential places to pivot that could take you in really Mm -hmm. exciting directions. So I love that you're saying you started this whole thing off as a fashion blog. And I Mm -hmm. didn't even know that you talked really about that stuff that much or that you did that. But, you know, the other day I was, I really admire Marie Forleo and what she's created in her business. And it came up somewhere that she, in a post that she'd written, she's 44. And I was like, wow, she's 10 years older than me. I never realized that. The woman looks like she's like 29. And so I'm like, I wonder where she was 10 years ago. And I love that you can do this on Mm. Instagram and social media. Now I went back in her YouTube channel 10 years ago and I was shocked to see she's like filming this video, sitting on her couch in a little tank top answering questions. She's got her computer on her lap. It's the cutest video. There's no production. Like the woman has just build her brand leaps and bounds in 10 short years. And then you look at somebody like you, it's like, if you scroll back six, 10, eight years ago, you were in a completely different area than where you are now. It's fascinating oh, yeah. to me. fascinating. Yeah, well,
1: even just two years ago. I mean, everything about my life and my business has changed even in the last two years. And and I've I'm like become this like token person in Christian circles to talk about singleness. And I'm like, this is hilarious. Like this is not what I was setting out to do. This was not quote unquote my vision, but I think when you know your why, when you know, here is what I love, here's what lights me up. Here is my message, then it creates a lot of freedom because I am the person that is gonna say, know your vision. Like if I want to walk out today with intention, integrity, and clarity, I have to know where I'm walking towards. So I think having that vision of like, Here's where I'm headed. Here's what I want to do. Here's some like big crazy dreams. Like, I just signed a book deal that I never thought I would ever sign. And they were like, Well, who do you want on your media tour? And I was like, I want to be on Super Soul Sunday, Oprah. And they're like, Okay, think smaller. And I was like, Why? Why think smaller? (laughs) Like, that's what I want. So I might as well be honest with that because clearly, crazier things have happened. A person who like almost failed her college English course is now writing a book. So I'm not going to let myself play small. So have that big vision. But that's why in my bio, when you read like done is better than perfect, I am the person that can get paralyzed by perfection. And I think we all can. And the reality is I want to be clear about my why and have like, okay, I do think to have those like pillar moments of, all right, like last year, my goal was to get out of debt. That was a very clear goal. And so I could track that. But also surrender and be willing to be in process. So if I wasn't willing to be in process, and if I wasn't willing to imperfectly walk the journey of being an entrepreneur, first of all, I wouldn't have even launched a website. I launched my first website in 48 hours and it was a Tumblr. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, And I made it with a friend. I think I, it's, I don't know what the statistics are, but it's so funny how as women, like we have to feel like we're like 99% qualified for something to go for it, where it's like men have to like, it's something absurd. Like, well, if they feel like they're 20% able to do it, they'll, <laughs> they'll go for the job interview. Yes, and yes. I think as women, we could learn a lot from that. Like you don't have to know, Oh, I want to be the next Marie Forleo. I might just be like, I'm interested in, you know, learning more about social media or marketing. And you also have the permission to change your mind. Like it's okay to change your mind if you try something and it doesn't work, or maybe it did work. But for me, getting into the photography world was that same sort of like surprise accident. I was a Bible major in college. I thought I would 100% work for a church in Dallas, Texas after I graduated college. But then I got a job at a nonprofit in Southern California. And then through that nonprofit, I was surrounded by artists and creatives. And I thought, well, I'm not an artist or creative. That's just not who I am. But through that, I learned I love photography. And then I got a job working full-time for a photographer, one of the top photographers in the nation. And then I started my own business. And then I started shooting Fashion Week. And then I had this heart for this blog. Like I just think, we have to be willing for life to turn out differently than we thought it would. And mm-hmm. I think that's been my like kind of shoots and ladder of like a career and personal life of, oh, well, let's try this. Well, oh, if I didn't do photography, I wouldn't know that my heart was really for this like equipping women thing. But I had to do that to get to here.
0: I love that. It's like following the breadcrumb trail. What am I interested in now? Who can I surround myself that feels good? What city do I want to live in? Like you've moved a number of times as well, which is always a big leap to take professionally and personally, all the things. I love all this behind the scenes that you're sharing with us right now. (laughs) Do you still do any photography? Is... The is the blog and website and podcast your main gig like what what's the mix that you're working with right now? Yeah, so I'm still shooting.
1: I've been shooting full time for over ten years, and I actually stopped promoting my photography work about four years ago. I think. I mean, I was like super active on Instagram. It's still there, the Cat Harris. And about two years ago, I just was like, I can't do the Refined Woman and this Instagram, my photography one. So I had just I worked my butt off for all those years and then I I say this in humility <laughs> but it's like my work started speaking for itself and it wasn't overnight and I couldn't have done this a year into my brand but at this point I have such steady clients and I have retainer clients here in New York and LA that I shoot monthly and quarterly that I don't need to promote that part of my business so the, it's It's kind of a self sustaining business at this point that has given me the freedom to put my time and effort and creativity into The Refined Woman without it having that financial pressure of, like, oh my gosh, like this course has to sell X amount of money this time because if I don't, I can't pay my rent. So it's allowed me to kind of be the own investor into my dream and my passion project of The Refined Woman. And then slowly over time, The Refined Woman has like it was a very expensive hobby for a very long time. Only in the last two <laughs> years of its eight year existence has it started bringing in money. And so, yeah, photography is still very much a part of my life. Right before I got on the phone with you, I was on The phone with a PR company I work with out in LA that I'm shooting a bunch of stuff for. It's just that I don't promote it anymore, (laughs) which I feel I feel grateful for that. And in photography has been really good to me. It's been such a blessing in my life. But kind of what happened is once I moved to New York, I had all of these dream editorial clients. And that first year, I got them all and felt really burnt out. And once I kind of got out of that burnout. It was like my creative passion was no longer in photography. It was with the work I was doing with women through The Refined Woman. So people are like, oh, you're such a creative. You're this photographer. And I'm, I'm like, honestly, like it doesn't feel creative to me. It's kind of my day job. And <laughs> right. I'm so grateful for right. my day job that lets me like to me, The Refined Woman, the podcast, the curriculum is like my creative passion now.
0: Yes, totally and I think you can like ebb and flow with your your creativity and with your passions and sometimes you might get a little burnt out from one especially if you've done it so much and it's interesting as well the discussion around when you're creative endeavor starts to become your financial support. Does that change your relationship with it? And I think in some capacity, it usually does for people a little bit. doesn't mean you don't want to do It doesn't mean you don't love it, but it changes things a little bit. There is a freedom that comes with just being able to express yourself with no attachment to the financial piece at all. And I can speak to that knowing sort of where Raw has been and where we're at right now. Okay, I want to dive into something that you talked about very briefly a bit earlier, which is this community of women that you're now building who are faith-based. And you said you're attracting the single ladies. I just did a Beyonce snap as I said that. So you've got this community of women and we're talking about faith-based dating. Is faith-based dating very different than regular dating?
1: Well, I mean, yes and no. I would say <laughs> I mean I just still think it's funny that I'm like talking about all this dating stuff because really all it came birthed out of Aaron was me sharing my story of I grew up in the south, I grew up in Christian culture, but I didn't grow up as a Christian, but then I became a Christian and you I kind of learned these like societal and cultural norms within the church, some healthy, some super unhealthy. And some of that stuff was like dating only with the intention of marriage or not having premarital sex, like wanting to be pursued, wanting to be taken care of financially. Like Some of these messages were implicit and some of them were explicit. And I never really questioned them until I moved to New York City. And I moved to New York and in one year dated more than I had in the last 10 years. And I fell in love, I got heartbroken. And all of a sudden, these things that I had just accepted, like waiting until marriage to have sex, were like, Oh, wait, like, when I'm dating someone that I'm like crazy about, and who is like freaking hot. <laughs> like, it's much <laughs> harder to, me to keep my clothes on. I know. And so it led me down my own personal journey of what do I really believe about this stuff? What do I believe about God? Do I think God cares about sex? Do I think God cares about intimacy and relationship? Do I care what God thinks about this? And really going on my own journey of self discovery and realizing for a long time, I accepted like a set of rules. Without really a vision. And so because of that, it wasn't really mine. So when rubber hit the road, it was like, well, I'm only not doing these things because I quote unquote think I shouldn't be be doing these things because that's not what quote unquote good Christians do. Right. As opposed to going through my own journey of what do I really believe, like to the core of my body, to my gut, what is it that I believe about God, myself, others, intimacy, and coming to a place of like freedom and wholeness in that. And to be frank, I'm, I still practice celibacy outside of marriage, but it's for like completely different reasons than before, where it's kind of like the analogy I use is like, if you like started smoking cigarettes and were addicted to cigarettes and then we're quitting smoking. And if someone was like, Hey, do you want a cigarette? Answering that question, like, well, I'm not a smoker versus, well, you know, I'm like, like really trying to quit. Like, a, uh, like, Oh, I really would love to, but I shouldn't because I know it's really bad for me. One is like from a place of like victim obligation, not internally motivated. And the other is like, well, I'm just not a smoker. And there's like freedom and wholeness in that. So so yeah, I still am in this place where I am waiting until marriage to have sex, which does make dating different.
0: <laughs> of course, because a lot of people would be like, Well, I'm not waiting. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. yeah. you know, sometimes that's going to lead the relationship right off the bat down a different path. So with the person that you fell in love with, was this something that they were practicing? Were they religious? They were
1: not. And I think that was like a, also a really, it was just a really great experience for me to have because I had never dated someone outside of like my belief system. And honestly, it was one of the most transformative experiences because I think I got to see how God loves all people and God works through all different and unexpected ways. And this person that I dated became the biggest, one of my biggest breakthroughs because I learned so much from him. I learned so much from our relationship. I learned so much about what I want, what I don't want. And I also learned like, oh, like I need to figure out what I believe because he was super clear why he was, why sex was super important to him. And all I really knew was like, I think I'm not supposed to, but I couldn't really actually tell you why. I just don't really know. And he respected me 100%. But um, it was more so, ultimately, we broke up for a lot of different reasons, but the sex piece was a reason. And I think I realized, you know, it's totally... I can't expect anyone to be on my same page, like I get to communicate that and not make any assumptions, but just how it can be a deal breaker for me to have sex, it can be a deal breaker on the other way on the other side. Because I also think I was like ashamed. I was ashamed for a long time of like being found out like this thing about me, like, even though I was practicing abstinence, I wasn't really owning it. Because again, I kind of felt like a victim to it. It honestly propelled me into like where I am today. Like, I wouldn't be writing a book if that hadn't happened. I wouldn't have gone through this whole journey where I was really challenged to figure out what I believed about singleness, sexuality, desire, shame narratives around our sexuality and bodies and all of that. So, yeah, it was like, you know, the grand scheme of things, we weren't in a long term relationship. We only dated for a few months, but. It was one of the biggest growth experiences for me relationship-wise.
0: Where did you land in regards to your thoughts and feelings around saving sex for marriage? What does that mean to you now that you're in an empowered versus victim state around it? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good
1: question. Well, gosh. Well, first of all, I feel like what I have to say is what I first had to get to was realizing that like, God was not ashamed of my sexuality. God was not ashamed of my desire. God's not afraid of it, threatened of it. My desire for intimacy and sex and connection with another human being is like one of the most normal things about being a human. And I think what I found for myself and now thousands and thousands of women that I've talked to over the last few years about this in religious circles or faith circles is there's from the get-go so much shame around desire. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like, well, God may have created my, the universe and God may have created humans, but God's like, what the hell just happened to your body when you got turned on? Like ah, no, like God created it all. And that means that it's good. I think that was like the first thing that was kind of like this massive personal breakthrough for me is like God loves sex, like God created sex and God created desire. And I also believe that we are created like holistically, kind of like back to your question, like where do I stand now? Like I stand in a place where, I practice abstinence outside of marriage but I also feel like so connected to myself, so connected to my desire, so connected to like being a sexual being because I think also what can happen is when we think our sexual desire is bad or gross or dirty or it only belongs within the confines of marriage or sexuality only means sex and by sex, act, you know, I think traditionally that has meant like penetration, then mm-hmm. like, I think we're flattening the human experience. I think sexuality is so much more expansive than just a transaction or just like the physical. And I also believe that the physical is always the manifestation of the spiritual. And really what it came down for me is as a person who is a follower, um, Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, like, I researched every single verse in the Bible that talked about sex. And it actually does say to abstain from sex outside of marriage. So then I had to grapple with, well, if that is what it says really clearly is, am I on board with that? And I think what really got me, Aaron, was when I realized like, I started asking myself, well, what am I looking for in sex? It's like, yeah, is orgasm amazing? Yes. Like, oh my gosh, like the skin on skin feels incredible incredible. Like I am like
0: So you've had an orgasm? hmm Yes. You've, okay. Okay.
1: Yes. Oh, orgasms are amazing. Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure if that was allowed
1: or not. And that I mean what I empower women to do is like discover what is your boundary and and own that. And so okay, sorry, just orgasm just got me off track. Um so yeah <laughs> nakedness and orgasm and all that stuff can feel really, really good but I realized what I was really, really looking for in sex and in intimacy was what I really want is acceptance. I want to feel loved. I want to feel known. I want to be seen fully and I want to see fully. I want, I want to feel safe. I want to feel Mm. supported. I want to give and I want to receive. And Mm. so like, for me, I realized like, wow, like sex is this manifestation of like all these other things that I really, really want and long for in a relationship that becomes like the culmination of a commitment. And so I felt like, man, I've settled for scraps in so many areas of my life. I settled for scraps with men for so many years, even though I wasn't like, Quote unquote, having sex, like I said yes when I really wanted to say no to things. I pretended that I was okay with things being casual and I really wanted more. I allowed myself to be cheated on. I allowed myself to be ghosted and not stand in my worth because I felt like, wow, you know, something feels better than nothing. And when I finally realized, is I want the whole thing. I am very clear now that I want a meaningful, committed, Monogamous relationship. I want a marriage to a man that loves God, has integrity, has a vision for his life, who sees me and loves who I am, who wants to do life together. And to me, I'm like more than willing to wait for sex
0: within that context. I just got like full body goosebumps. I swear to God, you have a better uh, description and a more beautiful vision of sex than way more of the people who are actually having it. And I love that you've taken the time to really dive into this and explore this when you're describing all of these things that you would be looking for in sex. I'm thinking all of these are things that we're all craving for in the relationship. So if you can build upon those things first, and if you can satisfy those things within the relationship and then to have sex, like I mean, there's the mechanics of the whole situation, which you'll have to figure out. But like, it's already going to be so much better because you'll have this container for it that is going to be so much richer. Oh, Mm. I love this! I can't leave any rocks unturned in this show. I just like my curiosity gets me every time. So thank you for talking about your orgasm. As it should,
1: as it should. (laughs) And I think just like one more thing that I that I wanted to say because I'm so passionate about it is. I think in religious circles, we do this. And I think in culture, we do this as well. We flatten our sexuality and we flatten our desire by saying like, my sexual desire, the itch can only be scratched via X. And I think that via X is often sex. And then I think the broader question is like, what even is sex? is sex, penis and vagina? What if you are gay? What if you are LGBTQ? What if you your partner is impotent? What about phone sex? What about oral sex? What about orgasm? Like like I think we need to pause and zoom out and ask the question to ourselves like what is sex and what does it mean to me and what is my sexuality? Because I think what sexuality really is is the human desire for connection outside of ourselves. And that includes like body parts touching and orgasm and physical intimacy and, and romantic touch and sex and that. But I think it means so much more than that. And so if we have this like broader perspective on what does it mean to be connected to my sexuality? I think it takes us from being like one dimensional beings to like multifaceted 3D to like, I can actually live a very fulfilling life as a single celibate, sexy person, not having sex, but totally embracing my sexuality and desire because I realize like it is able to manifest in a thousand different ways every single day outside of this one way. Like that is a way we can express it, but there's also a hundred different ways that we can connect and embrace our
0: sexuality and desire. Yes, yes, okay. <laughs> yes. And I feel like all of this is resonating so much and it's a universal message. It doesn't matter if you're religious or if you put that, you know, title or label on yourself, this is an important message for every woman to hear. Are you up for one more hard question? Sure. <laughs> Throw it at me, girl. <laughs> okay. You mentioned gay, LGBTQ. What is your take on love and marriage as a religious person between people who are homosexual? Mm, that is such a good question. And
1: gosh, I feel like the first thing that like comes to my mind is that as a person of faith, as a Christian, I am heartbroken at how awful and terrible the church has handled this conversation. It is literally something that keeps me up at night and pains me. And I have wept over and actively, I mean, I have a stack of books next to my computer right now of like God and LGBTQ and like how, like, how does this work? Cause I think I realized a few years ago, like, oh my gosh, like Jesus says he loves all people, but it's like LGBTQ aren't invited to be at the table. And I just feel like that is not God's heart for the world. If what I believe about God in the Bible and Jesus is true, then like salvation is by grace alone by saying like, Jesus, I am imperfect. I need you and has nothing to do with what I do or do not do sexually with my body. I just wondered what would happen in our world and our culture if we like started there (laughs) and said like, I, I honestly don't know what it would feel like to feel like the most natural and normal thing about me. I mean, I had my first crush when I was three years old. Like I remember it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and to have someone say, that's the thing that's most wrong about you first of all, I just don't, I can't even fathom what that would feel like. I feel like that would feel really confusing and really scary and it's very shame inducing. And yeah, I feel like that's, I feel like that's what I have to say about it is like, I am like no expert, but what I do know is like God loves all people and there's no discrepancy in that. And it, I think, Where I have like found my heart is like, God, like, how do we do better? How do I do better as a human? How do I love people better? How do I support my gay friends? How do I support my friend that just came out to me as queer? Like, how do I love this person well and support what they're up to and honor their process? And I think in that is. Just coming where I want to come from is like a place of I'm here to learn. I'm here to get to know your story. I think a lot of Christians come into this conversation with like, well, I need to be right (laughs) and I need to tell you what's right or this is what marriage is or this is what marriage isn't. And I'm just not convinced that like God's heart for
0: people is to like change their what they're attracted to. Mm hmm. I think what I'm hearing is that for you personally, you believe that everyone has the right to love who they love and that it is a complicated conversation within religion. And to be honest, it's one of the reasons that I, I think that there's so much beauty in religion. I think that it is imperative that we believe in something that is bigger than us, whether that's you know, in every different religion, it's something different or spirituality or whatever you practice. But I think that it's so important in regards to making it through this journey called life to have a belief system that is bigger than you to have principles and guidance that you you would definitely receive in the Bible. Where I find it difficult is how divisive these religions can cause wars and separation when when you really dive down to the root of all of them the message is very clear it's to love thy brothers and you know like to support one another and somewhere along the way those messages have become mixed up and have bred hate and so that's where i feel like religion can sometimes turn me off but i love yeah. that i'm seeing more and more People like you, and and it's not like I meet somebody who's religious and I have a bunch of thoughts about them or you know anything about their decisions whatsoever. It's just that I love having these conversations where we're finding new, healthier interpretations of what these are that we receive in religion that don't discriminate, don't separate, that don't cause us to push one another further apart. When that's really the last thing that so thank you for sharing your opinion. Yeah.
1: And I mean, I hear you. I I feel like with stuff like the police brutality and racism in America and LGBTQ, like, you know, the Me Too movement, like a lot of stuff has happened culturally in the last five years alone, but really have been going on for like hundreds and hundreds of years, if not thousands before that. But I think... What I started praying a couple of years ago was like, God, let me be on the right side of history on this. And really for me, what it won. And this is, you know, kind of back to like my whole journey of like, do I want to have sex before marriage or not? Like I had to get away from like, what are religious people telling me to do? <laughs> and what is me seeking God and seeking like, once I really just was like, let me just focus on Jesus. When I focus on the the stories of who Jesus is and who Jesus was, like, it's people who are corrupting the whole system. Like, when I look at Jesus, like, Jesus hung out with, spent his time with the ostracized people in society. The people that, the only people that Jesus ever got angry and livid at were religious people who were being spiritually manipulative to the disenfranchised. And so I feel very clear that like, if Jesus was walking this earth today, like, first of all, the people that would have their panties up in a wad would be the religious people. <laughs> but like, Jesus <laughs> would like really, really care about LGBTQ. Jesus would really, really care about systematic and structural racism in the United States. Like Jesus would really, really care about justice and Jesus always led with love, acceptance and relationship. It didn't mean that like Jesus didn't have hard conversations or say like, Hey, like this is sin or this isn't what's best. But he always led with love, compassion, and acceptance. And I think I am not God. I am a person. So it's not my job to be the morality police or the referee in other people's lives. Like
0: mm-hmm. the
1: only invitation I get to have is to love people. And this is coming from a person, Aaron. Like I am ENF, I'm a J on Myers Briggs. Like I <laughs> am like, I love the black and white. Like, like the gray and nuance have felt really hard for me. But I think over the years that I've realized is like, I might feel afraid of the gray, but God is not. And actually the places where I have found God most is in the gray and is in the unknown and is in the tension of not the either or, but the both and all that to say, I I know I went on a tangent, but I want to validate your experience of what feel of your resistance to you know, religion or, or religious stuff or God. Cause I just think as people, we've really, really, really blown it. It's made me question at times, like, how can I believe this thing? Is this what this thing really, really stands for? And it continually challenges me to like press in and dig and be like, what's really the story going on here? What does love really look like? What does compassion really look like, and also what does conviction really look like? Because I am making it like even the decision that I'm making in dating and celibacy, like you know, it's a decision that offends people. But am I am I okay having a decision that I am that I have made, and is it okay for me if other people don't make it? Well, yeah, Mm -hmm. because this is just my journey with God agree with my decision or not. Like if someone can walk away from my story and be like, oh, that makes me just wanna like look into like why I'm doing
0: the things I want to do or don't want to do, like to me that feels like a positive. And I feel it. Like I feel like all these things that you're exploring and the decisions that you're making and the convictions that you're coming to are rooted, taking it back to what Raw is all about, in self-love and in knowing what works for yourself. I think that I I mean, we started off this conversation talking about ranch dressing, and now we've gone deep into religion and orgasms. And I think this just goes to show (laughs) how all of us are as humans, right? Like there's these bodies that we walk around in day to day and underneath, there's so much depth and questioning and curiosity. And I think you are, you're going deep, you're understanding why it is that you are doing the things that you're doing. And that is why it's resonating with so many women. Oh, I'm reading right now Girl Wash Your Face. I'm like the last woman on the face of the earth to, of course, read this (laughs) book by the wonderful Rachel Hollis. I swear I've like talked about her stuff so much, but hadn't actually read the book. Anyways, I'm reading it right now. Each chapter in this book is titled with a lie that Rachel once told herself. And she sort of walks you through with a life experience as to how this lie was affecting her life. And she shares some tips and tools to help you if you're experiencing the same story or narrative, overcome that. So her lies would be things like, I'm not good at having sex. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm curious to know, what's a lie that you told yourself for a long time, or perhaps that you're still struggling with, that you're ready to let go of? Oh, man, that's so good. Also, full disclosure,
1: we're the two women on the planet that have not watched Girl Wash Her Face. Um, I mean, a million people have told me about it. I adore her. I'm so happy she got her like life dream of being on like the Oprah stage last weekend. I was like, "See, I'm gonna put that on my you vision board too." Because she yes. did it, and I get to do it. So, gosh, there's so many. But when you asked me, the, there's actually one that I'm like literally walking through like on a day to day basis right now. Um, And I have like post it notes all over my house about it. Is this conversation I've had around time? For a long time, my narrative was I don't have enough time or money to do the type of things that I really want to do. I don't have enough time or money to chase my dreams, to date, to have the fitness level that I want, or the health or the self care. And then my business took off. (laughs) So the money conversation left, but I realized. A couple weeks ago, that the freaking time conversation is still there for me, like, and it came up for me because I've struggled with anxiety in the past and some adrenal fatigue, and I got hit with like an adrenal—I don't know if you want to call it crisis or whatever—a couple weeks ago, and so when that happens, it's like I'm tired, I can't function, I'm like flatlined, and. It felt super inconvenient to me because I'm in the middle of writing this book and I have deadlines and I'm a woman on a mission. And now I just even more so don't have enough time because I'm freaking tired and I'm sleeping more. And I just realized, well, I didn't have a self epiphany. My coach was like, she made me write a letter to time and apologize to time. (laughs) I love this. like, Time is not working against you, but you love being right. So you wake up in the morning and you say, it's like, before I even got out of bed, I'm tired. I don't have enough time to get the stuff I want done today. So I would like, before I put my two feet on the ground, I've already made up this narrative that I don't have enough. I'm mad at time because (laughs) I wish I had more time. I wish I got more sleep. I wish I had you know more time to whatever and she was like so then everything you're doing is proving to yourself that you're right and she was like you know how does it feel to be right and i was like well really good <laughs> it's really good to be right that i don't have enough time and so that is something that i'm actively working to change the narrative on before i even get out of bed first of all saying like thank you god for this day first of all god's a god of abundance mm-hmm. <laughs> like and so i get to choose to participate with that truth that like from the get go abundance is i have permission to declare abundance over my life and so before i get out of my bed saying thank you god for this day thank you that not only do I have enough time, I have an abundance of time. I have more than enough time. Thank you, God, that everything that needs to get done today is gonna get done. Wow, I have the gift of time and that it's working for me. Like everything, like there's this verse in the Bible that says, um, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And so I'm like, I'm claiming that over my time. I'm like, oh, you're just gonna work all things together for my good through my time today that is the narrative I'm working to change is that time is not against me. I don't have a lack of time. That time is a gift. It's for me. And also like, it's not serving me. (laughs) Like our limiting beliefs, like the whole, like I'm not pretty enough. Like I'm not good at sex. Well then everything we're doing, we have those glasses on. So then everything that happens proves that I'm not good at sex. If I don't feel pretty enough, then well, that guy didn't look at me. It's because he doesn't think I'm pretty enough. Or I didn't find anything when I was shopping today because I'm not pretty enough. Like uh, we create these narratives and then we are master storytellers. So then we're working our asses off trying to prove to ourselves what a piece of crap we all are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag waste of time. (laughs) I don't know.
1: what What if we spent just as much time thinking about the possibility of how awesome we could be and how much abundance we have. And I think really that's what faith is like faith is leaning into the unseen faith is saying, I see reality. I see that I have 24 hours today and I feel like I need 17 hours of sleep, (laughs) but faith is leaning into the possibility that like there could be a more ultimate reality outside of the physical that even though I didn't feel like I had enough time yesterday, even though I didn't feel pretty in the past, like that's in the past and I can have a new reality today. It's leaning into possibility. So I feel like I've just spent enough of my life proving to myself that I don't have enough of everything that I think it's time to start leaning into the possibility that everything I want and long for, I already have access to.
0: Mm, And it feels so good when you start to change that narrative when we have those limiting beliefs of i don't have enough time or i don't have enough money or i'm not pretty enough it literally feels like you're putting a ceiling on yourself and it creates a roadblock like well there's not much op- there's there's not a lot of option there when we've created that belief whereas if we open up into that space of possibility we can start to become creative again with how we spend our time or where we search for money or you know where we start to engage with the fact that we are beautiful and worthy and enough exactly as we are. So yeah. Rip that roof off, ladies.
1: (laughs) My coach, my coach always says like, I'll say, so I don't have enough time. She's like, if you say so. (laughs) Oh, like there's not enough. Like I'm not having sex until marriage. Like no guys want to date me. She's like, if you say so, (laughs) you get to decide. And I'm like, if
0: (laughs) you say so. If you say so, start saying that to yourself. Kat, if you were to die today, this is a really light question to finish this podcast episode off with. And you had two minutes to write an email message to women of the world. It was going to land in their inbox tomorrow. What would your message say?
1: Mm, It would say exhale. Surrender you are enough, you are worthy, you are wanted, you are accepted, you are seen everything you want and long for and desire you truly do already have access to. And I I ultimately believe that's because like of who God is, but like you can surrender the hustle, surrender the striving and just receive that you are loved. You are enough it's, it's inside of you. Beautiful. I just think if, if we really, really, really believed that, like if I really, really believed that I am loved, I am seen, I am known, I am worthy. Like if that was our floor, it would transform the universe. Mm -hmm. It truly would. And it really would. And so that's my, that's my message. It's the biggest message that I tell myself every day. I mean, I'm stare. I look like I'm in the movie Memento. I have all these like post-it notes around myself. It's like, (laughs) you are able, you have the permission to lead, like, (laughs) write the book that God wants you to write, like be present. I think we get to preach to ourselves truth. And the truth is that like every single woman, man, human deserves to be here, has the right to be here, has the permission to be here, is worthy of being here, is loved.
0: Amazing. Ladies, we're going to link to Everything Cat Harris down in the show notes. So head on over there. She has an amazing podcast as well. We'll make sure that there's the link to that. I actually got the opportunity to do an interview for her show. So we'll make sure that we share that with you as well. If you found that this episode was thought provoking if you learned something if you had any aha moments if you thought of somebody that you cared about as you were listening please share it it would mean the world to have you pass it on and to help spread cat's message with the world as always take whatever is helpful from this podcast episode and leave the rest behind i can't wait to see you next week